together with us together, Lord, bind us together with love. Be seated, please. Singing was good this morning, even if we, uh, we stumbled a little bit, but that's okay. We had a good time. Um, and I know that we are blessed to be here. Um, thank you for being here this morning. I want to join uh, in everyone else who has welcomed you and welcome you, um, whether you're joining us physically or whether you're home online. Um, we are, are blessed that you're here, and uh, we want to uh, thank you for uh, joining us and for worshiping together with us this morning. Um, we're starting a new series uh, this morning, and we're going to be walking through the book of 1 Corinthians. And in, this is a, uh, 1 Corinthians is an interesting book, and we're going to find along the way uh, a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of interesting uh, things for us to, to dive into. There's an old story that's told uh, when the British and the French were fighting uh, in Canada, in the early 17, 1700, 1750, there was an Admiral Phipps who was the commander of the British fleet. He was the British land forces to arrive, and then he would support them as they attacked the city. So Phipps' navy arrived early, and as the Admiral waited, he became annoyed with the statues of the saints that adorned the towers of a nearby cathedral. So annoyed, the story goes, that he began to fire on them. He, nobody knows how many sh uh, shots were fired. Nobody knows how many cannonballs were, were fired or how many statues were destroyed. But when the land forces finally arrived and the signal was given to attack, the admiral was of no help because he had used all of his ammunition shooting at the saints. Unfortunately, that story is a lot like a lot of churches. We are no help and, and unable to complete our mission because we're too busy shooting at the saints. The idea of church in modern culture is not a popular one. Um, recently, just uh, not long ago in March, March 29th, a new Gallup poll came out. And, and Gallup published this poll that, that indicates that religious membership in the U.S. has fallen to just 47% among those surveyed. Less than half of the adult population identifies as being part of a particular religion. This is the first time since Gallup began asking this poll 80 years ago that it has dipped below 50%. Now, I, I've read this and I read a lot of, uh, of religious leaders and people talking about it, and you hear them blame all kind of things. They blame the, the, the culture, they blame the decadent culture, they blame the, 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 you know, the kids these days, they blame uh, uh, the, the, the movies and the music, and, but, but nobody really seems to be brave enough to take the responsibility on ourselves, because we haven't been the best ambassadors. See, we don't want to admit, especially among religious leadership, that sometimes our arguing and fighting and shooting at the saints has been one of the greatest deterrents to the gospel. As we begin to walk through 1 Corinthians, we're going to see that this is one of the things that Paul addresses 
uh, immediately, the first four chapters, really, as, as he is addressing the divisions within this church. Um, and, and, and much is the same as American churches today. These people are bickering over doctrine. These people are bickering over worship. These people are bickering over what leader they follow or what group they're a part of. And every group thinks they're right, and every group refuses to listen or to compromise with the others. So two things we can tell happened. First, Paul wrote a letter. Apparently this was a letter asking, uh, they wrote Paul a letter, uh, asking specific questions about doctrinal disputes. Um, each side now would have been waiting eagerly for this return letter. What was Paul going to say? But while they were waiting, Chloe and a group of believers, maybe the ones who actually brought the letter, maybe they were separate and apart from this, we don't know, but they came from Corinth to Paul, and they told him all the other stuff that wasn't in the letter, and all the stuff that was going on, and, and so Paul has a clear picture of this uh, church and, and what's going on. And so we get the book of 1 Corinthians, which is the letter that Paul writes in response. Now imagine you're part of this Corinthian church, okay? You have been waiting for this for a long time. You have been, have, have been waiting for this letter to get back and, and you assemble together and, and you're waiting for this to be read because you just know that Paul is going to vindicate you. Paul is going to tell these other people that they're wrong and you're right and they need to listen to you. And, and everybody is waiting with bated breath. What is Paul going to say? What does he say? 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you, because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in Him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you're not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul tells these Christians that they have been called. Did you hear that? Four times in those first nine verses, he uses the word called. That they have been called out. The, the English really doesn't do the Greek justice. The, this is not just a telephone call. This is not just a, hey, come here. This is, this is a summons. This is a royal summons. This is a, a you, you have been called. Verse 1, Paul said he has been called. Called. And then verse 2, they, the Corinthians, were called to be saints. And, and they were called along with everyone who would call on the name of the Lord. And God is ultimately, verse 9, the one who called them. But what does Paul say they were called for? He says God was the one who called them into fellowship. Fellowship with Christ. Fellowship with one another. And he called them into unity. Now see, there's a myth that's, that's widely believed, and, and it is believed that these, the, the early church, that they didn't have all the problems that we have. 
they were earlier in the stream, and so they don't have all the issues that we had. That that they they don't have any bickering, they don't have any fighting. That everything was just perfect, and and oh, if we could just get back to that time. The problem is that time didn't exist. And if you read the letters of Paul, you can see that each one of these churches had their own problems, and their problems sound a lot like ours. The level of diversity among Christians in the first 150 years of the church is staggering. And, and these people that are thrown together, they have problems. Paul wrote these Corinthians several letters. We only have two of them, but we have enough to see that, that there was all kind of stuff going on. Some of these Corinthians didn't believe that God was the only God. Some of these Corinthians uh, had weird ideas about, about marriage and divorce. Some of them were, were turning, uh, turning worship into a, a competitive uh, thing, like an American Idol um, sort of thing, except with, with a little bit more violence. Um, they, they, were, they, were, uh, they were questioning who really had the authority in the church, and they were pretty sure it wasn't Paul, but they were, they were questioning who had the authority to, to say this or that, and, and there was all manner of sexual immorality, and there was all manner of, of ideas about what was, what was acceptable and what wasn't. And, and here's, the, here's the kicker, though. Paul never, ever considers separating from them. Ever. He calls them brothers, he calls them sisters, he calls them fellow workers, he calls them friends, he calls them saints, he calls them beloved. See, unity has never meant agreement. It's never meant uh, full agreement. It's never meant a uniformity. Unity has always meant that you come together united different way. Paul, what, so, so what's Paul's response? If you were Paul, you get this letter, you get this response from Chloe, you get all this stuff, what do you address first? Where do you start? Because there's so much stuff going on here. Where do you start? Which part do you, do you address first? What, what part of the problem do you deal with? To Paul, he starts, the first four chapters, he starts talking about division and unity. That's the most important thing that he addresses. See, to Paul, the cross makes division ridiculous because all human loyalties and, and all this stuff is, 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 is made to be, it's to be left in the waters of baptism. It's to be left at the foot of the cross. The cross makes all that ridiculous. The warnings he gives are plain, and, and they're a little bit scary. He, he says that the Holy Spirit lives in the church and that those who would divide or destroy the church, him shall God destroy. He says that division is forbidden. He says that division is condemned, that it's improper, that it's contrary to the unity of Christ, contrary to the prayer of Christ, contrary to the purpose of Christ, and contrary to the spirit of God's desire for the church. We're even forbidden, that those who, 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 were, who were dividing weren't even allowed to teach. We're even forbidden to be friends with those who cause division. So as we begin to look at this hot mess of a church, we think, how, how does this apply to us? Well, I think it's pretty obvious. Because we live in a divided society, and our religious establishment in America today, you can find a church on every street corner. We're all divided. How does this apply to us? Well, we got to start by taking out the adjectives. we got to start by removing 
the adjectives. What I mean by that is if you are a white Christian, if you are a black Christian, if you are a conservative, liberal, Republican, Democrat, whatever, you take out the adjective. See, that's the call. That's the call that has been the original call of Churches of Christ and the Restoration Movement from the beginning. That we take out the adjectives and we start being, stop being this kind of Christian. We just be a Christian. We take out the adjectives and we come together, not based on I'm right and you're wrong, not based on we've got it all together, but based on the fact that we are going to follow Jesus Christ and be called Christians, period. And so we stop dividing. And we have to repent of this too, because too often our restoration movement has been about division. We have promoted division, and we need to repent of that. Because I, I don't, I, I'm going to be just as blunt as I can possibly be this morning, y'all. And division is sinful, period. And so when we divide the body of Christ, we are engaged in sinful practices. And as a body, as a church, we have to make sure that we're not walking that path. Jesus tells Peter to forgive your brother 70 times 7. You know how many times he tells him to, do, to, to forgive a divisive brother? Twice. That's it. Makes me think that one of those is a little bit important. Division is sinful. And I, I, I know the, the, yeah birds, the yeah but birds come out and they say, yeah, but Jeff, they, they, they do this. I don't care. I don't care what you put in that blank. Spiritual gifts, women, instruments, whatever, I don't care. It doesn't change the fact that division is sinful. We can argue about whether those things are right, whether those things are wrong, whether those things are scriptural, but division is still sinful. Whatever it is, we put in that blank. And so, if we come together, and we still continue to divide ourselves one around our country, creed, politics, sexual orientation, I don't care what it is. We continue to divide ourselves over one another. Division is still sinful. If you won't listen to me, listen to Paul in 1 Corinthians 3. Do you not know that you are God's temple? And that God's Spirit dwells in you. He is not writing this to individuals. I was always told this, was meant, this meant don't smoke. That's not what this means. He is writing this to a body of believers that is divided. And he says, you, you body of believers, are God's temple. And that God's Spirit dwells in you. And if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. That's scary. That's how serious division is. Of all the problems that Paul could have addressed with the Corinthian church, all the things he needed to tackle, he spends the first four chapters tackling the problem of division among the believers. We are called out. What are we called out to? We're beckoned. We are called out to be united in Christ. But how can we unite when there's so many differences? How can we unite with somebody who is obviously wrong? I mean, that's the obvious question, right? Because there are lots of us who would try to come together with other believers or this or that, but, but they have these wrong beliefs. They have these things that, that I, I know for a fact they're wrong about. How do I unite with that? Paul answers that as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The cross is what unifies us. 
We come together as believers because of the gospel. The gospel that Jesus of Nazareth is the promised Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ. And he was crucified for the sins of a lost and dying world. He overcame death, triumphing once and for all over sin in the grave, and now offers us eternal life with him. That's the gospel. Think about it. When you were baptized, did they ask you, what do you believe about fellowship halls and churches? No. They ask you, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Because that's the most important question. And that's what we've got to understand. Unity. It was the last prayer of Christ. And Paul says that is where you've got to start because all the other stuff is just stuff. You're my brother, you're my sister. And we may not agree on every point of doctrine. And that's okay. We may not agree on every point of doctrine, but we agree about the cross. We agree about Jesus Christ. We agree about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's the starting point. The rest of it we can study together. We can look at. We can figure out. This morning... If you're not in Christ, that's the most important question that we can ask you. Is, is, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Because all those other questions don't matter if that one's not answered. We get, like the Corinthians, so hung up on the little bitty things that we forget about the big thing. And we end up like Admiral Phipps shooting at the saints when we should be focusing on the enemy. This morning, if you're not in Christ, there is nothing more important you can do than answer that question. We're going to sing a song, and that song is an opportunity for you to come and say, I want to put on Christ. I want to be baptized into Jesus Christ. I want to be united with Christ because that's the most important thing. Maybe you want to... you. I need somebody to pray with me. I'm struggling right now. Or maybe I, I, I need, to, I need to, 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 to have somebody who will, who will help me. We're going to have elders and prayer partners at the back of the room. They're back there just simply to pray with you. Because we believe that prayer is the work of the church. We believe that is important. And so as we sing this song, if that's on your heart right now, that's not me. Jeff's not that eloquent. That's the Holy Spirit. And he's convicting you to go to God in prayer. Go back there, find one of those people and just say, I need you to pray with me. You don't have to tell them all the details of everything's going on in your life. God knows. They don't need to. We offer all that this morning because that's the most important thing. Coming together at the foot of the cross of Jesus. Won't you do that right now while together we stand and sing? We're part of the family that's been born again. Part of the family whose love knows no end. For Jesus has saved us and made us his own. Now we're part of the family that's on its way home and sometimes we laugh together 
Sometimes we cry. Sometimes we shed together heartaches and sighs. Sometimes we dream together of how it will be when we all get to heaven, God's family. And though some before us will all meet again just inside the city, as we enter in, there'll be no more parting. With Jesus we'll be together forever, God's family. And sometimes we laugh together. Sometimes we cry, sometimes we shed together heartaches and sighs. Sometimes we dream together of how it will be when we all get to heaven. God's family.